admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? The martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. Oh, what they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. And welcome to the final episode of Bond Backwards. It's been a year journey talking about James Bond films. We started with Spectre and now we're ending with Dr. No. I am Anders Holmes and I am joined by Adam in America. America. Adam in America. Um, <laughs> yeah, a year journey. I got the reference. Of course you did. Um, <laughs> yes, a year journey. Very nicely coined in Anders' version of English. Um, How's it going? Pretty good. How's how's it going with you? Yeah, well, you know, we've reached the end of the road here, uh, and um, there's no more Bond movies. And, well, um, there should. There's one coming out hopefully later this year. No time yeah, to well, die. I, yeah, until that point, we can't. Uh, we've so we've we've done Bond. We've 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 gone all the way back to Doctor No, uh, and um, yeah, I feel I feel like we've we've done, you know, sterling work here and. Um, you know, we have uh, we've rehabilitated certain films. We have trashed others. Uh, we have uh, confirmed that you know films like From Russia with Love and um, uh, you know Skyfall and Casino Royale are really good. Maybe Roger Moore fans won't love us, but you know we've said nice things about The Spy Who Loved Me. But I think there's a lot of Dal uh, Dalton and uh, Lazenby people out there who will be clapping their mm -hmm. hands. You know, we're pretty much on the Connery train, aren't we? And yes, um, we are. So so I guess that's the kind of Bond picture that we fit into. Um, but the good thing about Bond movies, and I think one of the things I've learned through um, doing this and through like being on social media and seeing the Bond community on Twitter, for example, is that there are a lot of different Bond interpretations and all of them are valid. You know, there are certain people who um, really like the, the Roger Moore movies and for them, those movies set the template for what a Bond film should be. And it's hard to argue with that um, because, you know, half the Bond films of the ones made before our lifetime are basically Roger Moore movies. So it's like, it's it really is that thing of you take from it what you want. And, um, and I guess, you know, we like more of the, we like it, we like our dial 
to point a little bit more towards like spies and lots of missions. espionage and not so much ridiculousness. Right. But other people see the ridiculousness inherent in the franchise. And I was just like, well, fuck it. Let's just double down on the ridiculousness. And that's, as I say, that's really, really hard to argue with. And then, and, and, and maybe we should look at ourselves and wonder whether we take these films maybe too seriously. But anyway, um, it is what it is. Um, it's, it's, it's bond. It's, it's, you know, it's problematic. It's, anachronistic it is probably outdated but it is still around and it goes all the way back at least in the film version uh, of the story it goes all the way back to 1962 the year of the cuban missile crisis oh yeah that's true i forgot about that but um yeah but before we get into the episode i just want to pay a little tribute to we lost a bond actor recently frank oh, McCr- put him no, I didn't. He passed away. You lost him. <laughs> it's not like he's a set of fucking keys, and it's not like he's incon fucking spicuous. <laughs> okay, uh, a tribute just started with a quote from Snatch. Um, no, we uh, the Frank McRae who played Sharky in License to Kill passed oh, away. He passed away, and um, he's he's famous for License to Kill, but he was also very famous for his role as uh, Captain Hayden in 48 Hours, who plays the shouty police captain in that film. And he also spoofed the role in uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, Last Action Hero. And he does have one of my favorite lines in 48 Hours when Eddie Murphy says, you just relax or something, don't be so hard hard on him. And then he answers back by going, you could go fuck yourself, convict, which is one of my favorite lines in the movie. So I just wanted to pay a few compliments to Sharky. Name really was Sharky. Um, yeah. Uh, well. Um, yeah. We've. Um, I mean, we've lost a lot of uh, Bond actors uh, while we've been doing this show, actually. And I mean, perhaps none more um, consequential than Sean Connery himself. Yes, of course. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the con. Uh, he got. Uh, but uh, you know, he he's. Um, this is his first film, isn't it? And it was his, of... it was his first like leading film. I think he had a, a re- I think I remember this was from the uh, the documentary Everything or Nothing. I think Ian Fleming was a bit unsure about Connery as Bond. Yeah, I think I think Fleming had always imagined him being played by Cary Grant, but I think Fleming hadn't realized that Cary Grant had turned into like a middle aged man and was not the Cary Grant from Notorious. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, that's the true, uh, that's, and I mean, he, I mean, Connery was, uh, you know, he was, I think he, he had won Mr. Universe. He was in a few small, he had, he had starred in a few uh, supporting roles in films like Hell Drivers, uh, another, another time, another place with Lana Turner, where he uh, punched uh, Johnny Stumpanato when he pulled a knife on him. That's and right. Johnny Stumpanato forgot the fact that he was, they were making a movie. And uh, he was also in The Longest Day, which came out before this. That's right. Yeah, he is in The Longest Day. I've always been confused about whether they cast him in The Longest Day because they knew that he was going to be Bond and chose, sort of wanted to capitalize on that. Or whether, they were, whether that was just a coincidence. Yeah. So, yeah, from 1962, 63, he was in Dr. No, From Rush With Love, and then Goldfinger, and then he was in, between Goldfinger and Thunderbolt, then he was in Marnie, and then he was in the movie The Hill, which was uh, directed by Sidney Lumet, and he had collaborated quite a lot with Sidney Lumet. Right, so he's so he's he's around. What the fuck is Mister Universe, by the way? It's that muscle, strongest man thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger was also in. Wow, 
I mean, it's safe to say that they changed the the parameters had shifted by Schwarzenegger's time because Connery's not like grossly over muscled or anything. Um, but um, no, he is not. <laughs> but apparently, no. But he was quite athletic. I mean, he could do. Uh, I think one of the reasons he was he was in the the he was in I think a dance company or something or he was in a production of south pacific or something like that like he was incredibly agile and strong and could do he was, know, in, the, he was in the navy he joined the royal navy when he was 16 in the navy. yes he was he in control the, the seven seas in the navy sorry yes uh control the seven seas. i think it's the lyric is can sail the seven seas but in the british case that control the seven seas is probably more um, uh, in line with their ambitions um yeah, exactly but um yeah i mean he was in that sort of he could do he was he was very sort of um strong and big and um yeah and and sort of athletic and i think that that helps and then if you squeeze him into a into a suit and um you know uh, comb his hair a little bit and or or, or you know in in, in later actually you know cases give him hair um you know he, he looks the part and i think that's the great thing about connery in this film is that you could have cast i mean you think about all the this, this is the, the era where there's a lot of like guys kicking around who are tall and handsome but don't always do well in terms of the acting or the screen presence i mean think about john gavin in psycho i mean what a what a terrible actor um yeah he looked yeah he does yeah he looked perfect and had screen presence just was a bit like you know he he's one he of those have screen presence he only looks he looks like a good looking man that's it he has no screen presence and he can't act he's plain white rice yeah there's nothing wrong with that but um you don't want that on screen um you want um and you know there are other examples as well um you know throughout uh throughout cinema history of just sort of good looking leading men who don't who just who you know it's often in like b westerns and stuff you know you just see these guys i mean i'd even argue like someone like george peppard is a bit sort of like blah um but well know, he, yeah he, i mean you don't watch breakfast at tiffany's for george peppard no no you don't um but, but so, you know and you don't watch psycho for john gavin um but there are a lot of them around and it could have happened with this i mean they could have just made a generic casting decision and and sean connery kind of was a generic casting decision he wasn't tested that he wasn't sort of a known quantity in the way that Cary Grant was but it worked and I think that that's the that's the crucial thing and I think that they know it works and I think that that's why he's given that entrance um because they they know they've got something and that is you know that scene is so overplayed the one in the casino but yeah it, but it's overplayed for a reason because it's really good that's true like where is James Bond and ooh, what could, who is James Bond and what is this thing and you know not everyone would have read the books like a lot of people would have been going into this for the first like this is their first experience of Bond you know I, I when we were watching them as kids I didn't even know there were books right well you're famously an idiot but like <laughs> uh, you know the, um, the famously the, famously an idiot but on this podcast only. <laughs> No, you're also an idiot in real life. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, but but um, yeah, you 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 can outsource your idiocy to all manners of. Uh, <laughs> you're wearing a New England Patriot shirt in Copenhagen. Like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> just wanted to wear it. <laughs> yeah, everything else was in the wash. Um, I mean, so, I've seen. I've seen. I mean, I saw. I was. I was, I saw someone sailing with a Boston Red Sox Boston Red Sox hat here in Copenhagen. So you know, I'm not the only one. Yeah, well, there are pricks in every city. But like, I um, I would say that um, um, you know, this um, 
this this is this there's a lot riding on this film getting it right and um and it, i think it it largely does um there are bits where it goes off the rails and i do think it suffers a little bit from the goldfinger problem of they don't really know how to like the scheme that Dr. No has is very difficult to understand. The first five or six times I watched the film as a it's kid. It's something to do with Cape Canaveral. Something to do with rockets going into space and something to do with that and nuclear power and everything. I, I never understand what it is. And he's got, metal, so, 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 and he's got, and he's got metal hands. Yeah, <laughs> that's all he has. He chains our hands. No, he's got... <laughs> he, he wants to... He thinks what he's doing is he's trying to knock over the rockets when they're taking off. To disrupt the space program. This is their. This is the 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 dry run for what becomes their scheme in. You you only live twice, which makes a little bit more sense and is a lot more over the top. And here it's like, well, we can't do any scenes in space. Well, they could have used models. Um, you have it. You have the rocket on a little shitty TV screen, and that's and the rest of it takes place in this gorgeous Ken Adam designed. Um, yeah, well, he he face. set he set the stage. He let, he he showed how to do it, and um, you know I think they couldn't really do the space stuff until you know later because they only had like a one point one million dollar budget on this movie. I mean, this is pretty. I mean, this is as indie as it gets, basically. In the Bond franchise. In the Bond franchise, yeah. Because <laughs> that's like this is not guerrilla filmmaking. No, it's not. Um, I'm, not I'm not saying it's guerrilla filmmaking, but it is low. It's low budget filmmaking on a larger, large scale, low budget. Yeah, and it's a, it's a huge gamble. It's a massive gamble. And Zaltzman and Broccoli, you know, they've bought the rights. Fleming is still alive. I think there's a big reason why they filmed it in Jamaica because it's like where he. Well, lived. he that's where he he stayed at Goldeneye. He sat next to uh, this sort of corner in Goldeneye, the house where he wrote Casino Royale. And, you know, he had the window open, he would hear like all stuff going on and he would sort of write like a thousand words a day. And, you know, and he, you know, they said if he looked back and looked at what time it was, then he lost it. So, you know, right. He wrote like short sentences and just kind of wrote it out pretty quickly. And yeah, he spent a lot of time in, at, uh, at, at, in Jamaica. Yeah. And so I wonder if that was in any way behind the decision to film there. Um, in any case, that I did, I, there is a great story about in the beach scene, um, Ian Fleming and, and Noel Coward uh, apparently were there. Um, Noel Coward must have been visiting Ian Fleming or something. And they're like hiding behind one of the sand dunes in that scene where they get shot at by the yeah. um, by the boat. But um, yeah, so Dr. No, uh, interesting plot. Don't You don't see the villain until right at the end, which is great. Um, it's more of a sort of like investigation. I think- It's um, more of a detective film than anything else. Right, yeah. It really starts out as, as a whodunit. I like the- um, I do quite like the beginning with the three blind guys and um, as the assassination squad, um, and I, I, and that's sort of like, you know, back to London and every and we're like trying to figure out what's happened and um, and then it's you know it's such a clear, um, it's such a clear mission initially and then yeah and then later on it's like okay big base um, difficult to understand mission a, a bit difficult yeah. to understand and they've got to get out and also Bond's got to save the girl and it starts to become something very different uh, and I think that's really I mean there's, there's, a, there's a few things that are new in this film one I think is that although location shooting has happened in increasingly in the 50s uh, you think about Roman Holiday um, 
and you think about certain other films that were made in the 50s in Europe or in other places but like this kind of location for me where you like show the airport and like you go to certain you know mm -hmm. really just there like the whole film apart from a very few scenes is shot in Jamaica and uh, so that feels new the sex feels new like the the focus on sex feels more um like in a mainstream movie feels newer than than what's been done before and then i think there's that like you the plot okay fine but then i think that th that idea of like a person with a secret base that needs to be blown up that's something that's only really been done on television up until now i think so so i i, I feel like that's new to the genre of the thriller at least so there's there's plenty to for, for people to get their teeth into and and pretty much all of it goes on and you know translates to the rest of the bond franchise you get um you get all the sex you get all the uh lasciviousness uh, associated with that um you, you, get the, you get the car chases as well oh well, yeah with car, with car chases that's another thing that you know is just beginning to happen in in uh in cinema and, and and i feel like the one in this film is a bit rubbish and um and then you don't even really get one in from russia with love so it's not till goldfinger that i think the car chase really is sort of established well they didn't get um, the aston martin until goldfinger Right, but even so, like you can have a car chase in a different car if you want, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, in this film, it's a bit, well, yeah, okay. I mean, it's it, you know. And then he gets the line. <laughs> it's kind of funny a little bit because it's a, like the bit when they go away. There's like a moment where, like in the film, they cut around like a sharp corner in the in the in when he's being chased. So it's like a wide shot of the two cars, and then they cut to Sean Connery, which is obviously shot with a backdrop of the car being chased, and he's doing the classic. The back projection, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's really funny because you think by now the car has already moved quite considerably away from that corner, and then they cut back to that same shot. The car's still there. <laughs> it's just moved. You've like there's like a few seconds of like runtime. So it's so it's, poorly done. It's yeah. so badly edited because it's like it's still there, and then it's like, oh, you think he's gotten away from that corner and he's gone down the, the road and disappeared off camera, but no, he's just barely moved like two inches. And there's another bit where he fights someone, and initially you see him in one shot he punches the guy with his right hand but then in the next shot he's got his left hand up on his face because they've cut you know and they've tried yeah. to stand it up again it's like really really clumsy um but you know they're getting there yeah um, the thing i what i think about dr no in if i'm sort of comparing it, it to sort of television i always think like dr no is like the original pilot of the series james bond and it's like and it's like they they shot the pilot they viewed it and showed it to a bunch of people and they think, okay, maybe there's some stuff here that works, but maybe we need to reshoot it. And then like from Russia with love is like the proper pilot episode where they actually, they get into the groove of what the James Bond franchise is going to be. Like, this is like a good starting point of showing, okay, we have a good leading actor. He looks the part. We have a villain. We've set up some stuff. Now we can just take it a little bit further and build on it and everything else. Like, so they have a really good starting point with Dr. No, but it does feel a little bit like, the original pilot episode for a TV and then for Russia with Love is like the first ever episode in, of, of, of a James Bond series if you were going to compare it to television. Yeah, and I think that what is different from television at this point is that TV serials, they're always formulaic. They always start and end the same way, you know, Buck Rogers or the Lone Ranger or whatever it is. It always has the same plot arc. And I think in Bond, they're trying to figure out maybe they're, they're going to do a completely different, you know, Dr. No and from Russia with Love don't resemble each other. It's all in the structure of the plot um you know except in the you know very basic ways but it's funny that when you get into 
later films, they do get more formulaic. So it's like maybe in early on there was more flexibility, but I think they know what they start to develop a sense of what works and what works is, you know, secret base car chases, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and as I say, they get a lot of that in, in this film, um, you know, big, um, uh, big, it's, 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 it's really worth noting that the, 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 the heavy hitters uh, of the supporting cast are there from the beginning, uh, like Bernard Lee and, um, and Lois Maxwell, but, um, but with one big miss, uh, a big exception. And that's, um, Desmond Llewellyn is not in the movie. Desmond Llewellyn is not there. And you get the shit Q who has got no charisma and he just turns up to talk about Bond's new gun. And what's um, a PPK? This is how yeah. you use it. Bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it's, he's he's not a great uh, salesman and he doesn't come back. Um, he is uh, uh, he is giving Bond, interestingly, the same kind of gun that Hitler killed himself with, which is interesting. Uh, it is a German weapon that was used yeah. by police um so you know read into that what you will um but uh I, I, you know it's it's that focus on like paraphernalia that's already quite um apparent although you don't really get that many other gadgets in the film unless you count the geiger counter thing um and um yeah and then he's off to off to jamaica and he meets all these um you know these characters like uh, you've got your uh, Professor Dent, isn't it? Who's played by what's his name? Um, uh, Anthony Dawson. Anthony Dawson, who's from we know from Dial M from Murder, for Murder, which is a, a great movie. His he has his team, doesn't he? Uh, Jack uh, Lord playing uh, Felix Leiter. Jack Lord with with the most fabulous sunglasses you've ever seen in your life, uh, and uh, and a wonderful khaki suit, and 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 I think very much setting the stage for uh, you know the character he would play in Hawaii Five-O. I mean, he's, he's, he's quite similar in, in terms of his like delivery and his characterization, but then he has his, uh, he has his, um, his lads, uh, the guy who runs the bar, what's his name? Pussfella. Uh, Pussfella, which is a, which is the, a, a, what's a very, 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 very weird name. Yeah. And then, uh, Quarrel. And, um, and I, I love Quarrel. Uh, and I think he like, he starts really, um, I think he starts really, really well. And, um, you know, he's kind of suspicious of Bond. He's um, he's uh, he's played by John Kitzmiller, by the way. I just yeah, think. bit of trivia about John Kitzmiller. He was the first black actor to win the Cannes Film Festival Award for Best Actor in 1957 for a film called Valley of Peace. Wow. Yeah. Well, I did not know that. Um, yeah, it was a Yugoslavian war film. Oh, interesting. I need to see that. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's readily available, but yeah. So I yeah. thought, thought I'd mention that. How interesting. Uh, well, so, I mean, his character is um, is rather interesting because um, although he starts off being sort of really competent, he knows the waters, he knows the... Um, he knows what's going on kind of a little bit he's he's suspicious of everyone he's also strong and capable and you know all this other shit then like in the second half of the movie he turns into this like quivering suspicious like really stereotyped um you know black sidekick essentially uh straight out of you know you're talking straight out of the 1930s he thought he basically 
turns into like step and fetch it and he thinks the tank is a dragon and it's like he kind of he kind of comes across as one of those like people in the in one of those like voodoo horror films like i walked with a zombie or white zombie or one of those people who like warn white people about like don't go over there because of dead bodies and things like that right but he's seen to be like um superstitious um gullible um illiterate all the other things and it's like it's such a disappointment because it shows the the racism of the time and the racism of this film there's even a bit where after the boat has fired their shots at them connery without even looking at quarrel like turns to him and says fetch my shoes yeah that's pretty uh which is like pretty <laughs> awful and and yeah and so and, and it's interesting that while they're on the island of jamaica that there isn't i mean obviously it's it's like set in a british colonial setting like of course there's going to be a lot of um there's 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 plenty of racism to go around in these scenes and um but the um it really kicks into gear when they go um out to crab key and and i think that's i think it's really disappointing and it's a sad it's sad that they didn't um it's sad that they didn't use this opportunity to not you know be um be like that Yes. Yeah, it's a shame. They, I mean, he, yeah, like you said in the beginning of the film, he's a very competent character. He beats, like, you know, he manages to pull one over on Bond and sort of get him to sort of, you know, before we realize that Coral is a good guy and is able to kind of disarm him and everything like that and sort of, you know, put him in a very sort of sticky situation, which turns out to be fine when Felix Leiter shows up. And then, yeah, like you said, in the second half, he does become a a stock character. Like, all the sort of personality of what we have of Coral in the beginning kind of just gets sort of slashed away and also just like he just kind of comes you know you really believe the fact that this guy could easily take care of himself and he knows a way around a gun or anything like that and then when they get attacked by the dragon the tank with the flamethrower you know he just looks like a guy who doesn't even know how to shoot a gun or like where to shoot properly or anything like that yeah i mean it's and yeah and, it, and i think that it exposes the problem with the um i guess what you'd call the midsection of the film um, and everyone talks about the iconic shot list. I mean, Ursa Andres coming out of the sea, singing that song that even if I just, if the mango I can't think about this film and not get that stupid fucking earworm stuck in my head. Um, but there it is. Um, yeah, they recreated that shot in Die Another Day with Halle Berry. Well, the simile with her walk coming out of the water in Cuba. Well, and more effectively, they did it in um, Casino uh, Royale. Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The, the whole the whole scene with Ursula Andress, I get why it's famous. I get why it caused a sensation at the time, but it's it really deflates the tension and the momentum yeah. of the film. Slightly, yeah. And um, I mean, she became basically an overnight success after this movie. Like, she was basically they they found her by like a picture of her like in a wet T-shirt competition or something like that, and then they just cast her into the film. And then, of course, that's how. And then and then and then then she's like an overnight success, and you know her phone's getting off the hook. And she was only paid six thousand dollars for the movie. Yeah, I mean, she was she was that sort of one of the many kind of like female sex symbols of a European like you know. Think about Anita Ekberg and people like that, like people of a certain build uh, who, um, you know, blonde, tall, Teutonic, yeah. European, you know, who are sort of 
sweet you know in that sort of swedish german danish corridor like nina van palland and people like that you know it, there was a real vogue for this type of um uh screen presence at the time and i'm sure that all those people did their fair share of like modeling and stuff on the side so you know yeah, I mean, she, got, she got a decent career out of it um, well yeah she's she she also played vesper lind in that peter sellers casino royale film which had like a billion directors making the film like one of which was john houston right and she's in um other you know she's in movies throughout she's in the og clash, clash of the titans have you ever seen clash of the titans i watched it as a kid i remember the wind-up owl and yeah um, that's such a weird thing some of the ray harryhausen stuff in that is great um, but i can't remember too much other stuff about it yeah. um in any case i find those scenes now watching them a little bit boring and i am um, uh, although it does have the classic thing of an adventure movie from this time, which is when the bad guys come, you hide under the water with one of those reeds to breathe through. That 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 feels like a real yeah. trope of the time. That's a sort of a you know a, um, you know King Solomon's mines kind of. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I did I did like that, and um, yeah, it reminds me of that episode in Tom and Jerry where Tom's being chased by bees, and he does the same thing by hiding under the water, and he's standing there looking up, and he like waves at the bees, and then they decide to go down the hole and sting him that way. I thought that was quite funny. That is, that's a good pull. I like that. Um, and then, yeah, then we get uh, Dr. No, who uh, lives in his base, which is very beautiful. And um, yeah. and you get some good scenes in there. I think the dinner scene is pretty good. There's some good lines in it. Yeah. And, um, and there's some, there's like, the, 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 there's some good, like, back and forth between him and Bond. And yeah. like, you know, and he says, like, the Americans are fools. I, op- I offered my services, they refused. So did the East. Now they can both pay for their mistake. And Bond is like, world domination, the same old dream. Our asylums are full of people who think they're Napoleon or God. And that no, he delivers that line so well. Uh, yeah. He, he, I think Connery, he's, but, he's so, uh, yeah. But that moment actually makes me think that because in the trailer for No Time to Die, there's that moment where, like, you know, history isn't kind to people who play God that made because of and then that line in dr no that makes me think that rami malik is Anders, probably playing dr no you have talked about this theory for <laughs> two fucking years can we just i just want the film to come out and just figure out if i'm right or wrong i hope i'm right because then i could just sit in the cinema well, then you have to like, go back and edit out every single reference you've made to this conspiracy theory I, on the- I, I could i could be wrong i'm happy being wrong not you often are, um, but um, oh, thank you, Adam. That's very good uh, of you. Uh, you know, yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, the the it's so dumb the way he he ends this. Like it's so stu- it actually reminds me of Spectre, the Daniel Craig film where he shoots and the whole base blows up. Yeah, he pulls like one lever and then everything just goes into meltdown. And he's able like to that. sneak in with his stupid hat. He's able to beat up some guy and then sneak in and he just goes and stands by some dials and he's and he just like wreaks havoc. And uh, then and then instead of like sending security in to get him, Dr. No like runs towards me. He's like, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll go and get him with my metal hands. It's like you should be outsourcing this. You need you're a leader, you're in a leadership role. Yeah, you need to delegate. You need to, you, you know, and you can, and then he gets into the the stupid situation where he's in a big hot bath, and, and then he can't grip onto the bars and pillars. Stupid metal hand, so he ends up yeah. getting melted in his big like plastic, you know, bobblehead thing. Which I don't know that that stuff that is doing pure Austin Powers that moment because it's just like it is absolutely. Uh, you're so right. It is exactly Austin Powers. Just like the first one when he's like running around and he's like, open the freaking door. It just reminds me of that so much. Yeah, so it's uh that's that's rather silly, and so it sort of all peters out. Anyway, that's Doctor No in a nutshell. Um, 
you want to do our fun stuff? Yeah. What is your favorite scene? Hmm. I, well, poof. I think it's the, I think it's the whole, like, um, it's not a scene per se, but it's like the whole arrival in Jamaica, the whole sort of, he's in an airport, there's someone following him who's wearing lady sunglasses. Uh, there's someone, you know, the guy who's driving him turns out to be a bad guy. He goes to the like British colonial residence and he's met by a guy in shorts. There are palm trees, it's sunny, he's in a beautiful suit. It's like this, I signed up for this. Yeah. You know, that, so I feel like that bit, I always think about, Doctor, like, when I think about Dr. No, I always go there. What about you? I love the dialogue of that bit when he shows her the cigarette. And he's like, cyanide in a cigarette? Yeah, well, if you read the warning labels, actually, yes, there is cyanide and lots of other things in cigarettes. Yeah, so I, I, to smoke, kids. Yeah, I, I like that line delivery there. And then he just leaves the dead body, and then the guy who's like greets him is like, "Huh, <laughs> it's a dead body." Yeah, it's also a bit like, <laughs> what a dick James Bond is. <laughs> it's like leaving him there. It's like, yeah. like, please take care of her. She's just dead in yeah, Thunderball as well. My favorite scene is the bit. I think just as a moment of like great tension and use of music and no dialogue whatsoever, it's the bit and it's a moment that I don't ever want to get into a situation like that ever. It's the bit with the tarantula. Oh yeah, the tra we haven't talked about the tarantula. And I yeah, think that um... and I think that moment, it's a good bit of like they build up to it, like the bit where Anthony Dawson goes to Crab Key and he's sat in that very big extravagant waiting room and you hear Dr. No's voice like it's the Wizard of, Wizard of Oz and he says pick yeah. up the case tonight and you see it and you have the little bit of the music and then Bond goes back to his room and he sees like all the like little things that he did like the hair on the on the cupboard yeah, door is that's down. That's how he lost his hair because he had to keep uh, yeah, he had to keep doing that <laughs> and um, I thought that was... I didn't get it right Sean can you just pull out another one of your hairs please? Uh, and just the bit when he's like lying in bed and then the music starts playing and then you see it crawling out and everything like that and just seeing oh, Bond the bit just... where you first see it move oh, that's, yeah, just... on the, that's so terrifying oh. as well and then it's on his face and then like he just Ugh. kicks it off and then he just bashes it I think Connery did have a fear of spiders so I think shooting that scene well, was well he didn't before he would after that scene Jesus Christ that's gross yeah. Yeah. okay no that is that is very good That's and, and, and also very much like in that silly like why not just shoot him like why not just go and like bludgeon him to death but no. well, he did try to shoot him but then he fucked that up <laughs> yeah yeah and he got the he tried to get the three blind guys i mean he he tries to, they try to kill him in a lot of different ways i guess the tarantula comes the closest when you think about it yeah mm. uh stupidest bit what's the stupidest bit Oh, I, well, it has to be the scene with the lever and the and the whole the whole way he defeats Doctor No. It's so stupid. It's like so avoidable, unnecessary. Like it, it's it's also like he hasn't researched how to do this. He just turns one thing and gets lucky. Yeah. It shouldn't be that easy. That's that's daft. Yeah. Um, trying to think, what's the stupidest bit for me? Uh, no, I think I think it's the bit in the bar where they manhandle the camera woman. I don't know, that scene is a bit, I don't know. Icky. It's a bit icky, yeah, and a bit like, I don't know. Because I, I, I'm always a bit confused about her character. Is she working for Dr. No and all this other stuff? It's a little bit unclear. Well, there's also a bit where she like, she gets a flashbulb, she breaks it, and she rams it into Quarrel's face. And Quarrel, and this is one of those classic racist bits where it's like, he doesn't flinch. And it's like, of yeah. course, because he's not white, he doesn't feel pain in the same way. And it's like, that's an early warning sign that he's being treated as like, you know, 
the noble savage character rather than like a fully fleshed out yeah um, person so that's yeah i th- that bit is pretty easy. i'm not really sure what and also what's what's her character all about like what's the whole point you know um because you yeah. see her when he's on the phone talking to the british consulate people and asking oh thank you for sending me the driver oh we didn't send a driver oh thank you never mind also, why didn't they send a driver what the fuck is it? They, they, they're not doing anything. Why didn't they send a <laughs> there should have been a guy. There should have been a jeep and another jeep. There should have been a jeep for Connery and a jeep for his bags. Like this is, the, it's not every day that the consulate in Jamaica gets a visit from a, like the best MI6 agent. Like send a shitting driver. Yeah, exactly. Or just send the guy with the khaki shorts and, and a gun or something. Yeah. Hello. Like that. <laughs> Hello. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that's why stupid is bit. Um. There's no, there's not that many gadgets in this film apart from the Walter PPK and the Geiger counter. I'm trying to think if there's any. Um, well, I guess you could say the flame tank is a gadget. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. A bit silly as well. It's a bit Thunderbirds, a little bit. I don't know. The tank is a bit yeah. like slightly. I don't remember the Thunderbirds theme at all. Hmm. Well, I'm just I thinking. Think I was just I, seeing the Thunderbusters. No, I, don't I was know. thinking Battle of Britain. That's what I was seeing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was not, sorry. Was yeah, you got your theme tunes way off. Uh, <laughs> I guess theme? we can't really say favorite location because the only real location is either London, well, two locations, London or Jamaica. And I'm guessing you want to go to Jamaica. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we say, let's, let's drill down and say we're on Jamaica. Mm-hmm. It's where are you going? Where am I going? Uh, I'm going to go to the bar. Oh, fuck you. Can I come with you? Yeah, you can come with me. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, seeing as this is the last episode, let's both go to the bar and do it, because I, I love that bar. I want to I want to hang out there. Yeah. Bar the right like... by the sea. We're talking about the one right by the sea, right? The one by the sea, yeah. Oh, God, I could sit there all day. Can you imagine that, just sitting there watching guys bring, like, huge lobsters and fish in and just, like, sit that, getting... That, that would be the, the retirement dream. Well, maybe or, when or dream, or dream now, yeah. Yeah, when COVID is done, you and I will go to Jamaica and be bitterly disappointed that it's not the way it is, looks in the film. Um, True. Um, casting? Re- Are we doing reca- the recast- recasting? Who would you recast? Well, I'd fuck it, easy. This is the easiest one I've ever had to do. I'd put Desmond Llewellyn <laughs> instead of the boring Q guy. Yeah, I'd have um, an actual. I'd have actual Q rather than the 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 you know the intern. <laughs> The, the Q intern, the Q yeah. turn. What about you? Um, are you gonna like brush over my Q turn joke? That was pretty good. Uh, is it? What is it? I don't know. Q turn, like intern, like you say in, but um, but intern, so Q Q turn. What, what are you having a stroke? What's happening? <laughs> just because when you say intern, because if you That's say a joke isn't just you talking nonsense. A joke has structure. It has a punchline. People laugh. It's not just being like blah, blah, blah. you know. You can't just do. That's like the Jar Jar Binks version of humor. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Okay. Uh, why, why did you recast Jar Jar Binks as Quarrel? Let's see how that goes. <laughs> well, then it would be, then it would have been even more racist. <laughs> yeah. Ah, poor Acme Best. I hope he gets like a comeback soon. Just as long as it's not as Jar Jar Binks. Um, yeah. Uh, recast. Who would I recast? I would probably, I just saw this on IMDb. They actually did consider her for Honey Rider. I would- Honey Rider, Jesus. I would recast Ursula Andress with Julie Christie and then flesh out the character a little bit more and just have her be a bit more in the film. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah I could see that. I could see that. I I would say I, it, it's a shame they or missed. Just, or just have Eunice Gason a bit more in the movie. I don't know. Yeah, because there are four like sexy lady characters in this film. Five if you count Money Penny, which I always do. Um, and you know, you got Eunice Gason at the beginning, who's great, uh, mm-hmm. and then I, who I think should just be the love interest. He should just come home to her at the end, like. Um, and then you've got uh, the lady with the camera, but then you also have what's her name? Um, uh, the uh, um, yes, Miss Tarot. Miss Tarot, and she's she's that great. She's the bad Bond woman, and and like they should Zena, just Zena, Zena Marshall is her name. What Zena was her name? Great name. You, you don't need the other. You don't need more women in this film. You don't need us, Landris. So it's like, why not just? Why not? Yeah, I don't know. It it just it feels a little bit sort of like a scattergun approach, but whatever. It brings you the bikini scene that like generations of you know boomers thought was like iconic cinema. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, the, the only reason they cat they didn't cast Julie Christie, and this is probably a bit. It's actually quite. I don't know, bit sexist and bad, and um, oh, in a Bond film, really? No, no. But the reason they didn't cast her is this because they thought her breasts were too small. Well, fuck. <laughs> These guys really are dicks, aren't they? They're like, we cast this woman because we saw her in a wet t-shirt competition. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I know it's a little at that. I mean, that sort of stuff happens all the time. They just don't like. Well, I mean, like it's just like you know, there was one actress who was in one of the Halloween movies. They didn't like her because they thought she was too bony and thin, or something like that. It there are films, and the Bond films are an example of this, where you look at them and you just know that these were not made by people who considered themselves feminists, allies, <laughs> or progressives in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. why they've hired. Well, that's why Daniel Craig personally hired Phoebe Waller uh, Bridge to write the script for No Time to Die because they wanted her. I mean, a because she's a great writer, but also just to, you know, because in the sort of post Weinstein era of Hollywood, they wanted to make a Bond film that didn't feel sexist. I guess. Yeah, because even Skyfall has some pretty troubling bit moments. Um, the, anyway. the shower, the shower scene, which we did talk about on the episode. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, whatever. Yeah, uh, so I, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, wow. Who, uh, yeah, who, who, I mean, no, sorry. Um, what what rating are you giving it? I am going to give it three martinis. Three. Yeah, I'm going to give it three martinis. Solid sized martinis, yeah. Three yeah. out of five, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think if I was being generous, I might give it three and a half, but I'm just going to give it three because I think it is, you know, it's a good start to the Bond film, but it's not like a, an amazing start. It has a lot of iconic moments, but I think it's dragged out. And also for a film that is an hour and a half long, it does feel longer than it is. It does feel very sort of I'm bloated. surprised. I'm surprised that it's an hour and a half because, uh, yeah, you're right. It does feel long. It feels cluttered and it feels like it could do with a lot of streamlining. It's a bit and- slow paced for, for what it is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, uh, but it's a good start and uh, and it's a good end because here we are at the end of Bond backwards. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Uh, I do have one final question for you, and this is in regards to the James Bond franchise as a whole. In the world of cinema today, the world is not enough. Do you think James Bond is still relevant? Well, that's a big, that's a question that has two parts, I think, which is one, 
do I think James Bond is relevant in the world of, you know, of like, in the world of an awareness about gender inequality, the male gaze, uh, systemic racism, the the way um, uh, film has, you know, uh, bolstered kind of like uh, orientalist v- uh, views of, of uh, other cultures or like colonialist views of other cultures. Do I, do I think that he has relevance in that context? No, um, like it is an anachronism. It is, um, uh, it is out of date. It is also a product of an entirely different like mindset of the mid-century which is like you know esquire magazine and like you know the whole fleming verse of like you know real men who like fast cars and and their women to be obedient and you know who know how to use guns and hit people and and who are like uncaring and blah 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 like no in that sense it's complete anachronism but on the other hand i would say that does is there still an audience for uh films with exotic locations uh for people wearing uh ostentatiously um extravagant and expensive clothes driving expensive cars uh blowing shit up and like uh you know getting into sticky situations and saving the world absolutely i mean like you look you look at the the success of any modern film franchise and and they're and they're and you know they have that and the, but one thing i'll say that's even more troubling is that right now we do live in an era where people profit from a sense of danger um a sense of threat a sense of there being something wrong with the world and often something wrong that's based in somewhere that's not where you are or like an external threat um and the solution that's often presented to this problem by certain people is one white man <laughs> so there are people out there who very much subscribe to this so i think that um, i think that uh you know the um uh unfortunately like there's still a lot of uh, cultural detritus to sort out before we can truly lay james bond to rest but it'll be interesting to see where they go with it and uh, whether they you know whether there's also because i will say while there is that impulse there's also a progressive reforming impulse in our culture and we'll see like maybe they will embrace that and maybe they will give us a um uh, a female james bond maybe they'll give us a black female james bond who knows like that would be great well yeah i mean they do have a double o agent in no time to die who is played by lashana lynch who is a um a black actress so i think maybe she'll be spun off into another film who knows maybe they have already something lined up I think they're going to be doing something. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, I think in regards to the Bond movies, I think that, I mean, I do agree with a lot of what you just said. I think in regards to, because I think these days, and it has been a lot of talk about who is going to be the new James Bond, now that Daniel Craig is not going to do it anymore after No Time to Die. And, you know, he's, you know, he's going to be, being, you know, he's going to be with Brian Johnson for years to come playing Benoit Blanc on the Knives Out films, which have been, you know, bought up by Netflix, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I think it's like, who can you find that is going to be able to have all the characters, is able to sort of embody all those characteristics that Daniel Craig did very well and Timothy Dalton did very well and Sean Connery did very well and also Lazenby and Roger Moore. They all had qualities that made their Bond characters so you know memorable and good and i think it's going to be quite difficult to to find an actor who has all that sort of stuff i'm not saying they won't be able to i'm saying it's going to be difficult and also i feel like with people's expectations i mean especially with daniel craig everyone was like oh you can't have a blonde james bond 
I mean, hmm. Roger, I mean, Roger Moore said the same thing when people were saying Idris Elba could play Bond, and he was like, he's too street to play Bond. And yeah, which is like fucking insanely racist thing to yeah. say. But, you know. but yeah, I think it's you know, I think I, I would I would like to see like spy films with a female lead like this. It just you know, we don't has it doesn't have to be she doesn't have to have the last name Bond. It could be just like based like someone of a James Bond character, but as a female or as a black char uh, character as well. That would be that would be great and progressive in some in some regards yeah yeah i mean and and frankly as well like and and i know i often bang on about this but i'm like we need new stuff like we need to stop we need to finish up this obsession with superheroes um because i also think that there's a there is something uncomfortable in that intellectually or morally i don't know um we need to finish up these franchises and then maybe start new ones because there's this nostalgic culture right now because the whole the people who are making films are Gen Xers and millennials who look back on their childhood and they want to make Star Wars movies, Indiana Jones movies. They want to make uh, remakes of um, Spielberg movies. They want you know Stranger Things and stuff like that. And they want to do all these throwbacks to the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and and maybe the 90s. You know, you look at the Friends reunions. It's like stop doing all this stuff. Stop just telling the same stories over and over again. Think of new stories. Think of new um uh you know there there are so many writers out there there are so many young um and and talented people out there making films and making books and making plays and god knows what else who could you know who could absolutely be turned into the next big thing if you just take a chance on it and the story of star wars the story of james bond and all these other things that have become big is in certain ways in certain areas people taking a chance and saying okay we'll make this we'll make doctor no and we'll see what happens and then you've got a 20 film franchise after that 22 film franchise after that hey They've got, there's got to be the bravery to step away from some of these things. So maybe the really the answer is after No Time to Die is instead of saying let's do a spin-off or instead of recasting James Bond is just saying we've got 22 movies. Um, many of them are incredibly enjoyable. Enjoy, you know, have at them, keep watching them and um, maybe we'll return to them, maybe we won't. But in the meantime, we'll go and do something else. Take the creative energy behind these yeah, films yeah. and channel it into something new that actually resonates with what people want to see now. And yeah. set the, and rather than being led by Twitter and being led by we want nostalgia, to lead the people to something new that they didn't know that they wanted before. Yeah. Because that's how you make progress. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. So anyway, on that note. Yeah, well, we'll put our soap boxes down. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's on backwards. <laughs> what movies are we going to talk about now? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Paul, I mean, Paul, Paul and Griff, when they uh, the Paul and Griff guys, they commented on the uh, From Rush with Love episode, and they said like, "What what were you guys going to talk about now? Like, were you guys could talk about the Fast and the Furious movies or something like that?" Yeah, you find a different co-host, mate. Yeah. Uh, that, would you? Yeah, have, I mean, would you ever talk about films like that? Would you ever like watch one of the like? I'm not saying like watch all of the Marvel movies. You can watch like would start from Iron Man and then end with I Avengers don't. Endgame. Would you ever? Would you ever do? Would you ever do that? Just just to get like a different like just to see what it's like and then have your own personal opinion on, on it i do i i have watched marvel movies i've watched black panther i've watched um um the, Guardians of the, galaxy. Guardians of the galaxy but 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 to tell you the truth they don't interest me very much and also i don't feel i feel like there are so many and paul and griff are among these people who are out there doing really great podcasts about uh franchise cinema and about um you know this and it's it's not our place i think like we have 
we've done the bond we've 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 waded into a lot of other bond there's a great bond podcast out there yeah um, but you know we've done this partly for fun um but i feel like you know what we do on homes movies is we also try and um go back and and revive films that people maybe haven't seen so and and take more of a broad look at stuff so i wouldn't i wouldn't feel qualified to sort of get into a um uh, a bigger discussion about certain you know certain films especially yeah. if i don't find them interesting i mean the, the benefit of the bond films is i do love them and yes. um but i can never love the the marvel films because they, they simply don't move me and i don't it's no that's no um reflection on the people who do like them it's just that's that's my own uh, yeah personal. it's your personal opinion just cue a barrage of people being like fuck you and things like yeah, that well, on the internet <laughs> i i could i could give a more uh, uh spicy opinion but i'm feeling generous this morning um and um yeah so um you know and there's 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 got to be room for everyone but um but i think we'll we'll think of something we'll do some some yes. kind of we'll, we'll some figure kind something of, else. Uh, uh reboot and um uh yeah maybe we should just do every single western we've ever watched or something that's it <laughs> then we'll have no listeners but then... <laughs> be like a tumbleweed going through the podcast well, appropriately enough okay yeah, exactly uh yes well that concludes well, could right in with ideas couldn't they yeah they could tell us what to talk about or like just mention like what film would you like us to talk about that is you know something that isn't a marvel movie or anything like that yeah i remember my friend uh alexi said we should talk about the doctor who uh series which i've never watched so. i've never watched any doctor I've, I've watched a bit of some episodes but i've never it's one of those tv shows that i think just passed me by and i just never really got into it same same just so, never sorry. it just never really i never really got hooked onto it i think i mean i do like some sci-fi it was just that particular bit of sci-fi just never really got into it but i'm sure the people who make it love it and are talented and do very well with it and i, I mean i've oh, seen it's a, yeah, it's i mean i've huge. seen people talk about it online and it seems to resonate still with a bunch of people so that's great well um let's uh let's knock this on the head then yes well that concludes uh bond backwards uh do listen back to all the uh 24 episodes that we've done hopefully we can talk about no time to die this year and uh people just uh wash your hands get vaccinated all that sort of stuff and keep distance work from home if need be stay home if you have to and things like what you, that what are you doing we're just public service don't remind people about the pandemic it's nearly over <laughs> like we want these podcasts to be timeless we don't want them to be tuned in and traumatized when they listen to this in two years time oh well no, listen to what is saying he's he's basically right you shouldn't yeah. don't, don't, don't fuck it up now we want to go yeah. on our summer holidays for god's sake yeah i know i mean cinemas are now open here and i want to go and you know yeah don't ruin anders's fun he wants to go to the movies he wants to go and watch his marvel films well that's not till july i'm watching them on disney plus like the tv shows they're great well, good for you. Um, can we go now, please? Yes. Well, adios. Or, uh, you know, we've had our six. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Stinging in the rain. That's not funny, 007. Where's your butler friend? Oh, he blew a fuse. Shocking. Where's Drax? He had to fly. Positively shocking. You missed, Mr. Bond. I think he got the point. Right idea, Mr. Bond. But wrong pussy. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. You expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It's a Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. Mm -hmm.